All right, I'm going to start where I always start, uh, invitation to turn in your Bibles. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. Uh, as you turn over there, I'll remind you, we started a sermon series a few weeks ago, going through the Gospel of Luke. We're in the middle section in Luke. It's called the Journey to Jerusalem section. So that's where we're going to be today. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 13 is going to be our main guide. And before we read it, before we get into this, Uh, Let me start with a few questions just for you to reflect on within yourself, uh, preparing you to read this text. The first question is, how did you learn to pray? You don't have to answer it out loud, but we all have a little bit of prayer history in our own lives. How did you learn how to pray? Did you learn to pray from listening to your parents pray? Maybe you learned to pray and listen to your grandparents, or maybe your siblings would take turns leading prayers at the dinner table. Did you learn to pray because you studied prayer? Did you learn to pray by watching something on TV, which is highly doubtful? But regardless, how did you learn how to pray? Just think about that. If you have ever prayed, whether you pray only occasionally or you pray all the time every day, where did you get those habits? Where did you get those words? And then a a second question is, how are you learning to pray? So the first question is in the past tense, knowing where you've come from, what what those habits that you have in prayer and things like that. But the second question is in the present tense, how are you learning to pray? And I ask that because we start here in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, he was praying in a certain place, he being who? Jesus. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I I emphasized in italics there, teach us to pray. I love this verse. I I come back to Luke chapter 11, verse 1, probably every year. Teach us to pray. A simple request, but yet it's kind of funny to me because these disciples would have grown up knowing how to pray. It's not like they had never prayed before. They went to synagogue. They grew up in religious homes with people that parents or you know, other influencers in their lives who prayed around them, reciting the Shema, praying through the Psalms. They knew how to pray. But there was something about the prayer life of Jesus that inspired them. Something different about Jesus and His prayer routines. We've already seen, or, or maybe you know, if you went back and looked, you would see in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus withdraws and goes off by Himself to pray. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, Jesus spends the night praying before He chooses His apostles. Luke chapter 9, Jesus is praying as they go up on the mountain for transfiguration. Like what the disciples see in the rhythm and the life of Jesus is there's something about His prayer life that's different. So even though they know how to pray, they come before Jesus and just say, teach us to pray. One of my favorite authors, a guy named Philip Yancey, he wrote a a pretty thick book on prayer. So I'm only sharing with you one short quote from this book. But I like the way he says it. When it comes to prayer, we are all beginners. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but I, I tend to agree with that. When it comes to prayer... We're all beginners. The title of this sermon series is Outsiders. So in a way, when it comes to prayer, we're all outsiders. And Jesus invites us in to become insiders. We're all beginners, or based on Luke 11, 1, we're all students of prayer. 
Teach us to pray. You may already know how to pray, but we want to know more. Lord, teach us how to pray. This is a picture of the lady in the middle there is a lady named Nola Oaks. Um, I was reading up and studying up on her story earlier this week and was inspired by this. For many years, she held the Guinness Book of World Records for being the oldest college graduate. In 2007, she graduated college at the age of 95. It's pretty cool. She's, her husband passed away in the 70s, and she started taking college classes and just slowly chipped away at it. Her perseverance and persistence paid off, and by the age of 95, she finally walked that stage and graduated. Uh, she got a general studies degree with an emphasis on history, and the cool thing about that is when they would study historical events from the 20th century, she was able to speak from a firsthand experience, which is neat. But I thought the coolest thing about this is the other graduate beside her is her granddaughter. She graduated on the same day as her 21-year-old granddaughter, Alexandria Oaks. So in one graduation ceremony, you have a 21-year-old and a 95-year-old of the same family, same last name, which tells me that not only were they graduates together, they were students together. And as a church, our, we have these seven commitments that we spent some time on late fall, early winter. And I'll remind you that our second commitment says that we will be a loving, intergenerational church family. And I look at this picture and think about the story behind it, and I think that's a great example for the church and a great example for prayer. We're all beginners, as Philip Yancey says, we, or as the disciples present themselves to Jesus, we're students, teach us to pray. So whether you're 21 years old or you're 95 years old or wherever you're at, we're learning to pray together. They give this request to Jesus, and then in verse, verses 2 through 13, Jesus teaches them about prayer based on their request. And I want to read this and, and uh, make some overall comments and look at a few other things. So follow along with me as we read Luke chapter 11, verse 2 through 13. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Now that may sound a little different than Matthew's gospel. And, and usually there's an ending to the Lord's Prayer, right? You know the ending? For ours is the, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know that? Uh, what Gavin read today in our scripture reading from 1 Chronicles 29, uh, that is somebody believed came along, took 1 Chronicles 29 and added it on to the Lord's Prayer to give an ending. But originally, Jesus doesn't give an ending to this Lord's Prayer, and He keeps going in verse 5 through 8, still talking about prayer. Uh, he gives this parable or example of the friend at midnight, and this, verse 5 through 8, is what's unique to Luke's Gospel only. And He said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, 
at least because of his persistence. He will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given, to, it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? I read this to my son last night as I was putting him to bed, and he thought that was some kind of hilarious prank. And I tried to explain to him Jesus' teaching methods, but he really was fascinated with the, the prank part of that. Verse 13, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So this is in response to the question or the request, teach us to pray. And what Jesus gives them is two things. He gives them a prayer template. He gives them the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, you can say these words or you can use this as a template to guide your own prayer. And Jesus also in verses 5 through 13 He gives us an understanding of God. And the way that He gives us an understanding of the one to whom we pray is He says, here is what God is not like so that we can understand what God is like. The teaching method that Jesus uses is called lesser to greater or how much more. We saw that in verse 13. Rabbis would often teach this way and Basically, it's like, hey, if A is true, then how much more is B true? This analogy, this comparison. Verse 5 through 8, the unique part to Luke. This friend at midnight. Here is what God is not like. He's not like a grouchy, sleepy friend at midnight that does not want to be disturbed or woke up. God's not like that. But if we, as neighbors and friends, would be willing to get up and give someone bread because they won't stop knocking and they're waking our kids up, well, how much more does God want to communicate with us and provide bread for us and provide Himself for us? Or the example He uses of parents. You know, as parents, we know not to give our kids scorpions and snakes because that's kind of sadistic and weird. We provide for our kids. We love our kids, but yet we're flawed human beings. Jesus says, you're evil. And even though you may be evil, you still know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will God provide good gifts to His children? Specifically, verse 13, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those are kind of the two big takeaways from what we just read. Teach us to pray. Well, here's a prayer template. And here is what God is like and not like. The one to whom you pray. But I want to dig into this just a little bit for a few more minutes. Um, there's an author named Mark Thibodeau, I think I'm pronouncing that right, who wrote this book called Armchair Mystic. It sounds weird to you, but it's kind of a beginner's guide to prayer, but it's not just for beginners, it's for anyone. And in this book, he expresses four ways of praying. They're not necessarily stages of prayer because you don't graduate out of them, but there are four different ways that we pray. And so I want to share with you from Mark Thibodeau, his four ways of praying as we keep this text that we just read from Luke, Luke 11 in line with these four ways of praying. So the first way is what he calls ready-made prayers. This is basically ready-made prayers. We pray by borrowing someone else's words when we pray. 
Remember the first question that I asked when I started this sermon 10 minutes ago? How did you learn how to pray? How did you learn how to pray? Well, most of us learn how to pray by imitating other people that prayed. We learn by imitation. I remember the first time that I can remember when I had to lead a prayer in front of the entire congregation. I was in junior high. We called it middle school, 7th and 8th grade. I think I was around 13 years old. I was scheduled to say the closing prayer at our Wednesday night devotional. Some of you may remember those. You know, you'd go to class, but you weren't done yet. You would have to come back in the auditorium for a 15-minute Devo, and a preacher would do a five-minute Devo talk, offer an invitation, and you know, kind of go through that. And so I was scheduled to say the closing prayer one night, and I was nervous and, and didn't know what I was going to say. So that week, my dad helped me write out a prayer on a note card. And he said, bring the note card up there with you, and if you get too nervous, just read the prayer. So, you know the way that I ended this prayer? My dad taught me to say this, and you could probably guess if you grew up going to church at all and you know the closing prayer, guide, guard, and direct us and lead us back at the next appointed time. Anybody know this prayer? Are you familiar with it, right? I, didn't, I don't talk like that. I was a 7th grader or 8th grader. I don't say things like guide, guard, and direct us and lead us back at the next appointed time. I got that from my dad who got that from other men, and that was the traditional way we closed the service. That was a ready-made prayer. Uh, that was a prayer that, you know, another th- way of saying ready-made prayer is common prayers or written prayers. So it's just a way of imitating the way others prayed. Or sometimes before meals... I'll often pray, Lord, bless this food. Help it to be to the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies to your service. You ever prayed that or heard somebody pray that? I don't talk like that either, and I didn't make that up. It's borrowed from someone else. Where We use each other's words as we pray. These are called ready-made prayers. And what Jesus gives in Luke 11 is what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. I mentioned it's a prayer template. These are actually words that Jesus gives His disciples. Here's how you can pray. You can actually say these words. And if if you've paid attention to what I've taught or preached on over the last several years, I'm a proponent of the Lord's Prayer. I say the Lord's Prayer verbatim, often. At least once a week. And there could be many reasons why we do this. We could say prayer, ready-made prayers like the Lord's Prayer because we're just starting off and, and we really don't know how to pray. I don't want to take that for granted. If you don't know how to pray, you can use Jesus' prayer as a guide. But sometimes I'll say ready-made prayers like the Lord's Prayer when, when I'm struggling, when I'm down in the depths, when I'm angry, when my mind is spinning. and You want to pray, you want to connect with God, and it's just like you can't get the words out. Well, sometimes it's helpful to just... Pray the the prayer, pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, a lot of times that is a springboard into deeper prayer. So one of the ways of praying is ready-made prayers. The most prominent one is the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6 and Luke 11. But there's other prayers like another popular one that I like to pray is called the Serenity Prayer. It was originally written by a guy named Reinhold Niebuhr and. You'll hear it a lot at recovery groups, and this is not the whole prayer which you see on the screen, but the part of the serenity prayer that we know that I pray sometimes is, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, 
The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. What a prayer. I can't tell you how often I've used and borrowed these words in my own prayer because I needed to pray that. Not because I'm like a robot just reciting somebody else's prayer, but I borrowed some words, a ready-made prayer for me, because I needed that. I needed those words at that time. And there's plenty of ready-made prayers throughout church history, Book of Common Prayer, and there's plenty of ready-made prayers in Scripture. And sometimes we can pray Psalm 23, the shepherd's prayer. Often, I don't know about often, but every once in a while, occasionally I pray Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I didn't make those words up, but that is... I'm adopting that into my own prayer routine. Or you can look at Paul's prayers throughout his letters. I think for this church most notably, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, because we encouraged you all to memorize that about three years ago. That's Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. And because I memorized it, I often use those words to pray or kind of a springboard into prayer. So Mark Thibodeau says that one of the ways we pray is ready-made prayers. That's something I will always return to. But the second way of praying is what he calls extemporaneous prayer or spontaneous prayer. Another way of putting it, and maybe a simpler way, is just talking to God. This is how most of us pray. We just start talking. It's spontaneous. We pray to God. Yes, we may have taken elements and Uh, implementing into our prayers things that we've heard other people pray about, but we just speak our hearts to God. And we do this in many different ways. Maybe we pray prayers of praise and thanks to God, and I hope that we do. I hope that we're, on a normal basis, being thankful to God about the things that we should be. But most often when we talk to God, we're, we're sharing our troubles, our sicknesses, our needs, these requests, prayers for healing. I know I've prayed many times this week to God and asked for healing and for better health. So we we do that when we talk to God. We confess our sins when we talk to God. We pray on behalf of other people, pray prayers of intercession. This is called extemporaneous prayer, and it is the most common way that we pray. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 8, when he finishes this parable of the friend at midnight, he uses this word persistence. I believe there's something important that Jesus wants us to know about being persistent in prayer. And I don't think it's because if we're persistent enough, if we bug God enough, eventually He'll give us what we want so we stop bugging Him. I don't think that's the teaching. I think that we need to be persistent in prayer so that it becomes a habit. It becomes a part of who we are, is that we constantly commune with God throughout each and every day is we're persistent in bringing our needs, that God already knows what we need, but He still wants us to talk to Him. So there's ready-made prayers, prayers from Scripture and other people's prayers that we could adopt and use in our own prayer life. There's extemporaneous prayers, spontaneous prayers where we talk to God. And the third way, according to Mark Thibodeau, is meditative prayer, which is about listening to God. Often when I think about listening to God, I always think about Amelia Earhart. And this story where she attempted to fly around the world and started this trip in 1937. And on June 1st, 1937, she stopped to fuel up 
I guess rest maybe, and then continued on her trip. And at 8.43 a.m., no one heard from her again. And what they think happened was that her antenna broke off. And this is where I connect it with prayer. But she was able to send out messages so air traffic control could hear her, but she couldn't hear them. She was talking to them. She was sending messages, but she wasn't receiving. And maybe that's where you've been in your own prayer life where you feel like you use a lot of words. You do a lot of coming before the Lord and praying and talking, but maybe you're not hearing. Maybe you haven't developed those ears to hear. Maybe you feel like you're distant from God and you're talking, but you're not receiving. In those verses that follow the parable of the friend at midnight, verse 9 and 10, Jesus uses these three words, ask, seek, and knock, or ask, search, and knock. Uh, Most of the time when we do pray, we ask. And the truth is, we don't always get what we ask for. And there could be numerous reasons for that. Some are unknown and we'll never know why, but we pray for healing. We pray for God to intercede on people's behalf of people's lives. We pray for all kinds of things, and sometimes we don't get what we ask for. Now, there could be many reasons for that. As one old preacher said, God gives us our needs, but not our greeds. So maybe it's our motives behind what we're praying for. Sometimes we, we receive answers in ways that we weren't expecting. Maybe God saw something that we didn't see. I don't know, but we ask a lot. But are we searching? And are we knocking? Because Jesus promises that if you search, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. So this third way of praying, meditative prayer, is learning to listen to God. To not always just do all the talking, like we're just unloading our laundry list and saying, there God, you take it and I'm going to go about my day. But we learn to, through Scripture through other people, through experiences, through creation, through constantly coming before God, we learn to to start to listen as well, to receive. In verse 13, Jesus talks about the good gift that God wants to give us, and that's the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 13, Jesus doesn't say, God wants to give you good gifts like a lot of physical and material blessings. That's not the good gift that God wants to give us. The good gift is the Holy Spirit. That's the good gift that God wants to provide for us. It may not be what we want, but it's what we need. This teaching was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all the apostles and many others that were in that room. And then for those who were baptized into Christ, they received the Holy Spirit. And from there on out, this prayer has been answered, this teaching has been answered. Maybe the best thing that God can give us is yes, we need that outlet to speak to God. And yes, we want to do that and God wants us to, but to also develop the ears to hear and to connect with the spirit that he's given to live inside of us. And Mark Thibodeau says the fourth way of praying is just being with God. Not that you graduate out of the other ways of praying, but you get to this place where prayer is about being with God. Not just about transaction, and as some people say, not about viewing God as a vending machine, but prayer becomes about practicing the presence of God every day, every hour. 
There's a guy named Brother Lawrence that wrote this really tiny book called Practicing the Presence of God or practicing the presence of prayer, and he talks about practicing the presence of God throughout the day. And he said that he learned to practice the presence of God even while he was doing the dishes. That this prayer habit, this prayer life, had developed into this depth of constantly being aware of God's presence no matter what you're doing throughout the day. One text that we did not read that is also unique to Luke's gospel, comes at the end of Luke chapter 10. So we don't normally view the Mary and Martha part as a part of the prayer teaching. But unique to Luke's gospel, Jesus goes to the home of Mary and Martha, and you know the story, Martha's worried and distracted about many things, and she's wanting Jesus to get on to Mary. But what is Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, being with Jesus. And Mark Thibodeau says that that's, We want to get to this merry state of being where we are just sitting at the feet of Jesus, where you're just being in the presence of God. So we go back to the way we started in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, where the disciples come to Jesus, teach us to pray. And kind of like Nola Oaks and her granddaughter Alexandra Oaks, we're always students of prayer. We're intergenerationally, we're learning to pray together. So today I want to return, I'll end by returning to where Jesus started. And I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together. Say it out loud with me here in just a moment. You may have it memorized if you have it memorized from King James, NIV, different versions. But this is the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the Kingdom Prayer. And I think we should pray it and mean it and trust that God will work through it. And then I'll offer an invitation. So if you would, bow your heads and let's pray together. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, This morning, we want to offer an invitation. We just spent a lot of time talking about prayer, and we believe that prayer matters, and that it mattered to Jesus, and it mattered to His disciples, and it matters to us. If we can pray for you today, prayer of intercession or comfort, encouragement, then let us pray for you. We have some shepherds that are available to you. I'm available to you. If you are outside of Christ and you're ready to put on Christ in baptism and receive that good gift of the Holy Spirit, we have this baptistry right here and we'd be glad to talk to you about that as well. If we can meet with you and talk with you in any way, help you in any way, come forward, come find one of our shepherds. Let's stand and continue to sing. Come ye sinners, poor and needy.